you for tuning in to Black Women Are Scary, the podcast that celebrates people of color writing in horror. Final Fridays are dedicated to our featured author, and this month it's Valjean Jeffers. Myself and fellow misfit Hinedis Garcia talk about her story, Outcasts, and what we learned about love, loss, and steam funk. So let's lean in and listen to some scary black women. also kind of grateful for the winter to be ending <laughs> I feel like winter I'm ready for like a new season uh, uh, like newness mm-hmm. in general um, but we are here uh, and I just want to jump right in uh, with our first yes. question of uh, what drew you to tell this story in the steam funk subgenre so we've been having this conversation online about like what is steampunk, and I know last episode with Monica, I talked we talked about that, and I was so happy to like have discuss have been told that this subgenre exists, and then realizing how many things I've seen that are actually steampunk, and I didn't know that that's what I was watching or reading. Um, so yeah, what what drew you to tell this story, in in that particular subgenre? When I, when I started to write this story, to me, the best way to tell it was through steampunk. Because you knew I was, I was dealing, you know, I was dealing with the, um, the Haitian revolution. And um, for me, it was a way of like bringing in a lot of, a lot of elements and just kind of playing with them. Like Benjamin Banneker as, a, as an inventor that had invented mm-hmm. all these cool mm-hmm. weapons. Um, and then the voodoo to bring that in. So, um, you know, with steampunk, you can really do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what inspired me to write to write the story in that genre. Mm, I loved I so much about it, and I loved you know I was I was saying when I was talking to Monica, and I were talking about the story for the flash fiction episode, I was saying how like, I usually don't like steampunk when I see it. I'm, that's like the, my least favorite. Oh, no. I, yeah, like I don't really like, whenever I see anything in it or they're like, it's written this way. I'm like, I don't really care. And then, <laughs> and then I, and then I read your story and I was like, oh no, what it is is that I'm never, I don't exist in any of those narratives typically when there's steampunk. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so that was, that was always, that was what it was. It wasn't That'll that you didn't it. like it. It's just, yeah. you just didn't exist in it. And yeah, then, it. Yeah. yeah, and then I finally, like, your story, I was like, oh, uh, no, I love this. Um, I just needed to Thank see myself so in it. <laughs> that was, Thank what, you so much. That was <laughs> what was missing the whole time. And then it was like, what? Um, so, yeah, yeah, no easy thing to write. We took our little try with our little uh, drabbles trying to write in there. And I was like, dang, this is hard. <laughs> I was like Googling things. I was like, who, what? I got to know about history and things. Um, so we also love the romance, right? Like of this story and how that really kind of plays such a key factor in all elements of it. And really it's kind of a love story. So, mm-hmm. you know, especially between Simone and Monique. Um, so tell us a little bit about the choice to focus on on these love stories in the world of outcasts. Well, 
the the title of the story is out mm. so i wanted to focus on um two lesbian women because in this in the alternate universe that i was writing about um homosexuality any type of uh, what is it being attracted to the same gender was not allowed mm. um which really isn't too far from where we we're we're bidding better in this society, but we're not there yet. And yeah. um, so that's what would maybe decide to create a love a romance story between two women, where they really cared about each other, they really loved each other, but they were forbidden mm. um, by their culture to be in love. And then with the other couple, um, okay, with the other couple, she's um, from a wealthy family. Um, and she's very fair-skinned, mm. so she's only allowed to, because, because of the color cast, she's only allowed by her family to marry someone of the same class and the same color, but she mm. falls in love with a poor guy who's dark-skinned. Right. So both of these couples are defined what their cultures say is appropriate. Thank you for providing that in the container of, just to kind of talk a little geek a little bit about the steampunk aspect because I actually always love steampunk as an aesthetic so when I heard I also was introduced to through uh steampunk through this story and I was like yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> it's like at last <laughs> the only the only thing that really attracted me to steampunk was the aesthetic like mm-hmm. visually mm-hmm. I just always thought it was really cool look like I hate it it's <laughs> uh it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I hate to admit it. The Wild Wild West with Will Smith. Oh um, yeah, it's a ter- terrible movie. Terrible movie. Not not his best work. But I thought it looked good. Like watching it, I just loved seeing, you know, the matching of machinery and history, mm. um, and seeing that here with this element as well of you know, matching these soldiers these warriors these men and women um ready to go into combat you know you really like plopped us into that world um especially with this romance yeah yeah i love this point that you just made here about you have these two couples juxtaposed uh one being same sex and the other one you know we're dealing with colorism we're dealing with shadism uh, imposed upon Black people through through colonialism, through plantation or politics or the business exactly. of a plantation. Uh, and this is why they can't be together, right? Like this is, right. they can't be together for these different reasons, but it does feel a bit like those reasons are rooted in trauma. Um, okay. And the trauma of you know, dealing with this oppression that's and the the way that that kind of busted up culture, um, which I think I didn't even really pay attention so much attention to the fact that like she could not be with him because he was dark skin and she was light skin. Although I remember that being a part of the story, but it just like fell. <laughs> I was way too like, when are we gonna see Monique again? <laughs> I was I was like worried about these other things and like we have to battle the French. Um, and I kind of forgot about, you know, that, that when they find themselves in this kind of like alternate timeline, you know, they're like, we can just get married and be together and it's fine. Um, 
everybody just kind of felt like they could let their hair down and be themselves yeah. and be themselves and love who they want to love uh so i love that these two things you put those two things in the story because that's very much a part of i think you know what black communities are dealing with yeah, yeah we're still in dealing with that we're still dealing with that today right um mm -hmm. colorism it's, yeah. it's a very it's very real it's very present in our communities you know uh I think, we, like I said, we're better. It has improved. It's not as bad as it was, but we still have a ways to go. Yeah, like there's still people, Dominican Republic, I'm Dominican, mm. um, and there's still places in the Dominican Republic, a good, like a good uh, evidence of conversions therapy still happening, mm. you know? Wow. Um, so, yeah, we've progressed, but yeah, I think also another thing here actually is to to ask you. And this is not on the list, so excuse me for veering off the script. But just thinking about that, like putting you, this world that you created, thinking about how uh, history can affect um, how people are kind of like have a certain perspective on what's going to happen or like how this plot is gonna go. And yet it's so unpredictable, mm. you know, uh, like we have no idea what's going to happen when they come out of that fog. Mm. We are not even sure, like, you know, what to expect. And mm. it turns out this kind of expectations personally, like what I would want to be my current reality, you know, <laughs> that, oh, to let that hair down. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm kind of a sucker for a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> I just... You know, um, we live, especially black people, peoples of color, period, indigenous um, peoples, black folks, we live in so much trauma mm. that when I write, I just, I mean, I will visit that trauma, but I don't want it to be like the, the end all be all. I, mm. want, I want something positive, you know, because it's like, okay, this is what, this is my reality every day. It's not what I, but when I get ready to write, that's not what I want to write about. Mm. I want to envision something, something else, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, we'll be riding off into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> my heart. Honestly. Yeah, seriously. What a wonderful way too. you know, like everything is fine. And she's like, I just need to know she's okay. I'm going to go. Yeah. Riding off into the sunset for love. And it was like a great, it was so hopeful. <laughs> Spoil, spoiler to the story, but if you're listening to this, listen to the episode. Please. Yeah, well, but, you know, this is coming. It's been up for a while, so it's like, yeah. get on it. Yeah. I feel like, you know, you talking about not sitting in trauma is really is a really good segue to our next question, which is like talking, can you talk a little bit about the elements of violence in the story? You know, what were the considerations um, that you took or that arose when you were you were still... You did have violent acts in there, so what were some considerations that you took so that it wasn't, you know, trauma, 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 trauma fest? Um, okay. I'm going to try to loosely quote one of my heroines, Audrey Lord. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I know this is a very loose quote when she said that, that power is never given freely by people who oppress you. You always mm -hmm. have to take it from them. And so, um, in Haiti, and I didn't even know this, but I did do some research for the story, a little research. 
um, there were actually several revolutions before Toussaint's revolution. Hmm. And 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 um, how do I say this? They did not gain their freedom. Like they didn't just walk up to their slave masters and say, you know, well, you know, can you give me? <laughs> they took it. <laughs> yeah, they weren't like, let's have a pleasant conversation let's, about this. Let's talk about this, right? <laughs> they took, they took their freedom, and so, um, and I mean, just like slavery in this country, slavery was not, you know, it, it didn't end peacefully. It ended violent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was that was the violent that that was where the violence came from mm. because I, I i don't i i really didn't see any other way to write about them defeating napoleon without those aspects if that makes sense it does it does i think it's so interesting now as we push for change and transformation as we feel like you know we're in this sort of on this precipice because this yes. huge interruption has happened and it's like hey, this is the shot like if we're going to ch uh change course this is this is when we do it we got to shoot our shot you know and how much of that is like all the different strategies and tactics that we're using and including protests that are you know that become violent or even like people being like oh but why should they destroy public property and i mean i know that there's a protest happening now over the most recent uh verdict for dante wright um yeah because they only gave that woman two years yeah which is i mean that's that's obscene yeah yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. uh and so what, you know, if you're dealing with, with that, with, right. with a body of people that are like, well, two years, so, um, what is there left to talk about? Like it, it does kind of beg the, you know, how does change happen? Right. Even though change is, is inevitable. Um, right. and we would, I would love it if transformation were this like wonderful, easy thing, like becoming a butterfly or something. <laughs> it's just this like, yeah. but it's not. And I'm like, and I, you know what? I don't even know if becoming a butterfly doesn't feel like falling apart for the, for, you know, like I have no, no idea. Yeah. Like I have no idea what it feels like for the, <laughs> for the caterpillar. <laughs> apart, right? Yeah. To like, to like a cocoon itself and then having to like break out of that, like a thing, a cocoon has to be destroyed in order for it to be. So like, right. yeah, you wonder about like, what is, what is the nature of change? How does change come about? Can it be, can it be peaceful or is, or is transformation just an aggressive act? Right, right. That's a good question. I mean, and, and because the people who hold power will not, they will not peacefully relinquish it. I mean, I, that's a question I can't really, I, I can't really answer. I don't know if any of us have the answer to that. the way it always is it's like you've got all this stuff going around going on around you but life is in session one of my professors said that remember said that once life is in session it's always in session so it's like you've got all this stuff going on around you but at the same time you have your own personal issues you know um, you still want to love you still want to be connected to those that you care about yeah that's like the human condition so interesting to, to think and hear about how violence really is coming from that place of you know wanting to protect 
needing to continue to be in the face of constant change and constant um, I was seeing, I, I can't remember what clip this was, what particular protest this was, but I was reviewing some news clips and I saw this instance where it was two sides of protesters. One was, um, I think it was about taking down the statue or something, but one was, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter and the other was, you know, just a group of supremacists, it seemed, I can't, don't remember mm -hmm. what, who cares, um, but it, it, the police were there present and both sides were very much keeping their sides and just using their voices and speaking back and forth. And there was this very specific conversation going back and forth. They seemed to like unofficially choose people to speak for them as a group. Mm. And it was this black man speaking to this white man holding this huge Confederate flag and the back and forth and back and forth and just this like news anchors speaking, like narrating the events over them. And I was just mm. thinking of like, wow, there's only so much that you can say to people who are so uh, against admitting either their, their wrongs or admitting that they don't see you as a human. Because who, who's actually going to come out their mouth and say that? Uh, people, I mean, they have people have, but mm. when faced like person to person, it's either like, what is it there to talk about if you don't see me as a person who deserves these rights, or you don't acknowledge the f history of your people who treated my people this way? It's like on the top, on the surface level, it's like, well, yeah, like Gigi was saying, well, I don't acknowledge your humanity, and beneath that is terror. Damn. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's terror. I'm terrified that I'm losing my place. You know, I've always, I've said this time and time again, that that slave masters never thought that black folks were inferior. You do not make it a law to teach someone to read that you think of as inferior. Mm -hmm. Why would you have to? Mm. You would not right. be concerned about them learning to read. They're inferior. Right. You know, and, and, and that is, to me, like I said, that's, that is, that's fiction. Like you said, that's fiction that has, that we are supposed to buy into. Yeah, all of us. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, both on, you know, because we speak, we spoke a little bit about the community dealing with, you know, this queer love and also the shadism and the colorism. Like, you know, we have trauma we have not yet to heal from just within ourselves with each other which is like within BIPOC communities um you know diasporas it's not like we're all friends <laughs> or anything like that you know so I think in a, there is still terror felt in different ways from different places you know on this wheel of like and who will we be when this is over yeah like I think in your story outcast the the mo there's a moment in there that really like Oh, hurts me um, when the women uh, who who look at Monique like, and she could tell exactly what they think mm. um, about her. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, the the just the trauma that she experiences from her own people, mm. and the fact mm. that at the end of it, she's like, I still, you know, that was home. Yeah.
Yeah, she, it's like they kind of do the thing that we're talking about. Like they go and they're in the healed place and they have time for like the adrenaline to like calm down and to reflect. And so the, the healing is a little bittersweet. I, I felt like at the end I was like, well, well we had to leave people behind. Yeah. Um, you know, like that, that felt very real to me. You know, it's like we did it, but it, it's a little sad and it's kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> change is always, change is painful. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's painful. Um, you know, um, at the very end, of course, she goes back. I, I think, I think you guys probably remember that she goes back because she doesn't know where her, she doesn't know where her lover is. So yeah. she goes off to find her. It's kind of open-ended. Yeah, there's a hopeful thing of like, perhaps we can reconnect on the other side. Like, that's how it felt to me. Like, mm -hmm. I pushed on through the other side. Maybe you're here too. Waiting for me, right. Mm -hmm. Right, which which is where like the romance aspect of this comes into. <laughs> right? I, I feel like if, if a story didn't have romance in it, I'm not even interested almost. I, <laughs> I think I've been maybe one or two stories in my entire life that didn't have some aspect of romance mm. or sexual and or sexuality in it. Not why? Like tell me why. Tell me why that's important to you. Because I feel like, you know, there's a lot of things where you don't see that, um, especially if we're going to get into like, yeah, steampunk or steampunk or just like get into into fantasy or horror or sci fi. There's plenty of things where there's like no love. So why is that? Why is that a key element for you? It's such an integral part of life. Mm. I mean, who wants to live without love? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, love is like the most, for me, it's like the most important thing in life. And everything else is secondary. To, and I'm not just talking about love between a man and a woman or a woman and a woman or a man and a man. Just like love that you feel for your parents or your children or your grandchildren. That's just, it's like the most important thing. And, and everything else is secondary to that. So if I'm writing an alternate reality or writing, crafting a story, why wouldn't I put that in there? Why wouldn't I put some type of love or romance in there? It's just so, for me, it's just so incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the sensuality that you managed to, um, to imbue in the text. Whew. Uh, it's, it's wonderful also to hear. So really glad that, uh, Black River Scary that Dusky Projects produced this story because yeah. Thank ooh, you. Thank hearing you so much. hearing the electricity between yeah. um Monique and Simone was let me tell you <laughs> 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 like it just made me so happy to hear to listen to just such a giving, loving um connection. Thank you uh, so much. Yeah. Thank you, thank you so much. It was also, it felt so like a relief, like a respite in the middle of everything else that they were doing, which was like redefining their nation, you know? <laughs> yeah, like there was this heavy thing going on and I was like, oh good, we get to go over by this waterfall and get naked. I like this part. <laughs> I was like, I need a break from all that like fighting and like the preparing and the dancing and the calling of the spirits. Ooh. <laughs> talk about a cleansing, we talk about a cleansing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you guys. Mari Evans' poem. What is the name of that? I want to say it's I Am a Black Woman. Hmm. And that she sounds talks familiar. about um, 
it's really connected to the 60s and 70s. She said, I learned the name and um, Pork Chop Hill. I think the name was someplace in Vietnam and Pork Chop Hill. Hmm. And uh, she said, and now these trigger tied fingers seek the softness in my warrior's beard. Hmm. Yeah, right? Mm. Mm. Talk about sexual. <laughs> that is one of my favorite, all-time favorite poems. I'm going to check and make sure I gave the right. I'm sure it's Marie Evans, I'm a black woman. Yeah, I, I, I pulled it up right when you said I saw the line right as you pulled it in your memory. Yeah. Yep. These, these trick-or-tie fingers seek the softest in my warrior's beard. Mm -hmm. I am a black woman. Yep. Hmm. Softness. So this is excellent. Uh, so it, you had mentioned to me, you know, when I was sent you some questions, um, the BIPOC writers are redefining what is acceptable and what isn't mm -hmm. in the horror genre. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear your vision of what is acceptable. Um, black horror writers are, we're writing now coming from our own space. Mm. Uh, we're writing stories based on our community or that are coming out of our community and our culture. We are at the forefront. Um, we're not standing behind anyone. We're not sidekicks. We're not, you know, the first to be killed off in the first 15 minutes. We are there. We are present. These stories are about us. Whether they're happy or sad, you know, or somewhere in between. These are stories about us, made for us. And it's something that, that black folks have been hungering, not just black folks, people of color have been hungering for for so long, I, I believe. Um, I'll give you one example. Um, Candyman 3. Hmm. And um, of course, this is, that's a film, but <laughs> I hope I'm not giving too much of a spoiler. But in that film, there's only one black person killed in that film. Only one. Right. Ten years ago, that would not have been possible. Yeah. That wouldn't have even, that would have never made it to the screen. Yeah. And we're doing the same thing with fiction. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up that film because, you know, she was really tackling generational trauma mm -hmm. in that, in, through that story through Candyman. Mm -hmm. And I also noted that there was like a lack of violence on black bodies mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. I mean, except for when they were depicting these past things in like that shadow puppet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there was, but it was like, I'm like, I'm sitting through a film and there's, and it's like, I kept, you know, I'm like, and people that look like me are not being violenced. And, and it's like having a, an effect on me, like exactly. psychologically, like the, the rules of that movie. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this I've before in my life. Like I've <laughs> never seen, and I kept, and I watched that movie like twice. It is mm. not a happy movie. No, but I dug it. Yeah, <laughs> I really, I can, it, yeah. I get why people. Some some people were like, ah, because it's heavy. Yeah, it is yeah, using, really yeah. it's using the horror genre to say quite a lot of things. But I think, yeah, like you're saying, it's just because you've never seen those rules. You didn't even know it could be like that, and then it it did, and then there it is, and you're like, oh, a scary story can be told like this. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. like I said, ten years ago, that movie wouldn't have been possible. That that movie would not have been possible. 
you know, and here we are. And it's like, and that's what I was telling um, Audra the other day. She was saying she gets pissed because they cancel series that we're in. I said, yeah. I said, sister, but we are here. We are here and we keep right on coming. Um, there's so much fiction out there. Just wonderful, wonderful yeah. fiction. Horror and fantasy, you know, so much for us to devour. So it's so interesting because really it changed the landscape. Hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, yeah. Oh no, it's okay. I didn't realize you were still. Yeah, you didn't finish your thought. That's my bad. Um, I, because I was gonna say actually what you just said because in terms of changing the landscape, I feel like so much of horror, or at least mainstream horror, often there's this idea that there's these rules, things have mm. to happen a certain way. Yeah. Um, so hearing you talking about redefining using the genre is really refreshing. Yeah, I think folks, you know, are coming in, putting their own spin. Also, the genre itself um, holds a different place. I mean, horror was kind of like niche, or it was only in October. It wasn't really considered... And I, I think it's in some ways it still kind of struggles to to be considered like high art. Do you know what I mean? Like it was supposed to be kind of like juvenile and sort of ridiculous. If you liked it, it was a little immature of you or something. Like it wasn't considered like real filmmaking, uh, even though, you know, it is. It has been like it's, yeah, people are, you know, even before when there was only like a few voices, they were still like really doing something. <laughs> they were like real movies and real filmmakers and you know, like it's it's literature, but like you don't really hear people talking about horror novelists as, as like real literature, you know, until I feel like now it's coming into, it's coming center stage and folks are taking the actual genre seriously. Um, and I wonder if you have any views about that having been around for a minute and seen probably this industry go through all kinds of phases, you know, uh, as a writer, as an, as a, as a novelist, as a, you know, all the different forms that you write in, like, why do you think it is that horror is now kind of, I don't know, shining? If we look at the past presidency, um, of he who will not be named, (laughs) 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 it was like, a four-year horror. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, when does it end? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I think it's, I really do think it's, it's, it's our way of processing. That's one reason. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe art is just evolving, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just changing. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps appetites are changing, but yeah, I do exactly. I do think that genres that become popular do say something about like the pulse, as you were saying, like where we're all at, right? Like mm-hmm. I know that like movie musicals and like big um, spectacle musicals like that were really big during the depression because <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> people wanted to sit in a movie theater. <laughs> 
for a long time. What was going on? Yeah, and look and look at pretty things. Uh, and that was why everybody was like, Whoa, like synchronized swimmers were jumping into pools and things. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I don't remember, but I've seen movies like that. It's yeah, swimming. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they had these like aerial shots of all these like ladies and these sequin things, and it's nobody's making anything. There's no synchronized swimming in movies anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do feel like you know there was a time when we were like obsessed with zombies like that was all that it was and i and i thought that was interesting when we're like obsessed with like the fall of civilization of being consumed by friends and neighbors of having to kill people that we i'm just like what is going on y'all what are we dealing with um yeah now we have horror coming center stage to probably just process how afraid we are yeah i think so writing writing and reading um is cathartic um Mm. My sister Honore once said, it's, it's transformative. You write, you transform things. You find out things about yourself when you write. Mm. And, you know, sometimes you, I think you find out things about yourself when you read as well. You know, you might discover a part of yourself. It's always been there, but you, you kind of tap into it. Yeah, tapping into these, like, imagination spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. So if you could rewrite any famous steampunk character, who would it be? In Outcast or just anywhere? Anywhere. Oh gosh. Um <laughs> She's like, let me start with. <laughs> one of my favorite movies, it's an old movie. But one of my favorite movies is Time After Time. Mm -hmm. Where um Jack the Ripper. Oh. Chase's, uh, what is that guy's name? H.G. Wells. H.G. Oh, Wells okay. built a time machine. And Jack, and, and Jack the Ripper steals it. I have and not seen this. This sounds great. <laughs> it is, it's, a, it's an old movie. Now, it's an old flick. It was probably made in the, I think, I'm thinking maybe the 70s. Yeah, I think the late 70s. I beg your pardon, Gigi, I didn't hear you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's like late 70s or something. Like Yeah, sometime around there. And um, yeah, he steals it without giving away too much. Jack the Ripper steals the machine to to um, escape the police, and H. G. Wells follows him. Hmm. And I really love that movie. I really do. And I don't know if I could rewrite it. I'd probably put more black folks in it. Right. Just make somebody black. <laughs> yeah, make some folks black. Yeah. Maybe the woman he's in love with, she could be a sister, you know. Yeah, like right, right, mm -hmm. right. There was this, I watched like a few episodes of this thing. I don't, can't really remember what it was, but there was this uh, kind of like time traveling TV show that existed and it was three people, one man, one woman, and um, one white man, one white woman, and one black man. Um, and it was a time traveling show. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, I can't remember what it, they kept like. It was like a mistake in terms of them <laughs> actually going and doing like time traveling is a thing, and people do it, but um, it's like highly regulated, and and these three people like mistakenly time travel. Okay. And the black guy is like, why would I do this on purpose? I'm gonna get in trouble for traveling with y'all. And I'm not even, why would I come back to the 50s? Why would I want to be here? Right. I think I remember that series. I, 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 do. I don't I remember the I remember. name, but. Yeah, I can't think of the name either. 
I guess it was, it made, and the premise made an impression, but not that. Was it Sliders? I'm not sure. It's, you know what? Why is because I definitely just walked into somebody watching it. It wasn't something I went out to go. Yeah, you were like, I'm not watching watch. this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's funny because, te- yeah, even though I love like, steampunk as an aesthetic, and like I'm excited to de- delve more into steampunk and find even more things that I love, um, I'm not really into the time travel thing i really love how you it was done in in outcast yeah it's not like something you. that they went out to like go do yeah for me i'm like why are we doing that <laughs> also doing that? we don't know where they time traveled like it wasn't like about going to the past or the future necessarily as much as it felt like it was an alternate timeline like it yeah. really felt like they crossed through the veil and um yeah, I, they were in the same time, but like it, it, in one where like history just happened differently. So I thought I thought that was an interesting use of time travel. Thank you. Because it's usually about like getting to a specific point, and not necessarily about um, multiple realities. You know. And there are some that believe that there are like multiple multiple realities, like a different me, a different you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, string theory, right? I mean, essentially, yeah, that's I, what that is. What did you call it? I'm sorry. String theory. Okay. This idea of like different dimensions being accessible. Like, if we could just figure out how to build a wormhole, we could like mm-hmm. break through to this other reality. Mm-hmm. But that there's infinite versions of ourselves. Of ourselves, yeah. Which is a pretty cool theory. Yeah. Yeah. I dig that. I dig that a lot. Well, thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate it. We appreciate you letting us produce your story. Outcasts was a gift. (laughs) Thank you you so much, ladies. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Black Women Are Scary. Support spooky black women by leaving a rate and review. You can also check out next month's episode, Superhero Baby Boy, by Alicia McCullough. And don't forget to check out our giving levels. Your contribution will directly support scary black women. Till next time.